Hey mamas, and welcome to the Entering Motherhood podcast. This is your one-stop, go-to place for getting you from feeling drained, exhausted, and unfulfilled in motherhood to feeling more energized, organized, and accomplished. That's the vision I continue to navigate towards, and that's the vision we are sharing with you, focusing on holistic alternatives and restructuring your mind, body, and soul from the inside out. I'm your host, Sarah Marie Bilger, a wife, mom of two, mechanical engineer, VBAC mom, and doula, serving mamas through pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. If you're here for this, if you're as pumped up as I am and searching for that fire that you know is deep inside of you, then let's go. Let's uncover what it truly means to enter motherhood. You are a rock star. I believe in you. Let's doula this. Let's crank it up a notch and let's kick it into high gear together. Hey mamas, how are you? I am super excited to bring this episode to you today. We are talking with Elisa Sealand, who is a mama five and also the founder and CEO of Fond Bone Broth. And this is just such an amazing episode because we really dig into nourishing your body through pregnancy and into the postpartum period, how there are so many benefits of bone broth. And this conversation is specifically so meaningful to me because it is Mental Health Awareness Month and we are talking about listening to your body more and remembering to slow down as you're entering motherhood. And make sure you listen into the end because she talks about what's to come for fond, broths that help with pregnancy and postpartum, and there's even pregnancy and postpartum bundles that they have. There is a discount code in the show notes as well for 10% off. I hope you enjoy this episode and uh, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I am so happy to have you here today and get this conversation started. So if you would like to go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners, that would be great. Yes, Sarah, I'm so excited to be here with you guys. My name is Elisa Steeland. And I am first and foremost a mom to five very fun and rambunctious boys. And I also started a bone broth company um, after a health crisis. And so we've owned and run that for the past eight years and um, love doing that. And my passions are really around food. So growing a garden, going to the farmer's market, um, supporting our local farmers and making good food at home. So I, I, I kind of wish I was a little more artistic, but that's where my uh, interests lie. I love that. Yeah. I think I have such a heart for nutrition and food as well. I think, you know, growing up, I did not have a great relationship with it. And so like, becoming more aware of like what food is able to do and how it's able to feel your body and looking at it in a different sense was something that was like really empowering for me and like educational. Like I really took on like learning a lot more about like the benefits of food and everything that goes into it. And like also just enjoying it, like good quote unquote, good food can taste good. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, no, and really like it. understanding that. But yeah, and then like becoming a mom myself, like even in preparing for, you know, having a baby and getting my body, you know, as primed as it could and such to um, be able to be in that state, I think was something 
that was like on my mind, like, oh, I need to like care more for my body because I'm going mm. to somebody else to care for. And, and so really, you know, diving into it in that sense. So were you always a foodie? Like were you always like very into all this? I was always curious how food was made. I, similarly to you, Sarah, I did not have a great relationship with food. I mean, my mom, amazing woman, um, ran her own business, but we often ate whatever she threw into the crock pot, right? I mean, that was, you know, cereal for breakfast, crock pot creations for dinner. And I always had this draw to food. I remember the first time I made scrambled eggs with a little bit of garlic salt and like my mind was blown, you know, kind of thing. And, um, but I was always drawn to it. It wasn't until I similarly to you preparing for my first son, where I really started to look into food and look into how it was grown and how I could prepare it and just found a lot of joy in making even my own bread at the time. So I would make ciabatta bread and French loaves at the same time as there was like a chicken simmering on the stove and loved making desserts. And so I remember we had moved from the Chicago area to Texas. We didn't know anyone. You know, we were a one car family at the time and my husband was at work all day and I cooked. I fell in love with cooking. I worked my way through cookbooks and it was so fun becoming a new mom, discovering this part of myself that was always there, but I really hadn't had time to pursue it. So it's, it's, and definitely it was the ushering in of a new season of life. That's really been a lot about food and the way it's grown and providing nourishing food for people for past decades. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's fun to play around with and really take that time to um, prepare your meals and in a different way and, you know, go through cookbooks, like literally actually make a recipe that's yes. a book, um, as opposed to, like you said, like just throwing things together in the crock pot or things like that. Like obviously as moms, um, yeah. I think sometimes we need to, yes. <laughs> most of the time we need to be yes. doing that. But um, if you have the time to be able to put that, you know, work into preparing a meal, I feel like there's just something special about that. So going back to you had said that, like, I know your story, but for the listeners, mm -hmm. like what health issues were you going through that really led you down this path? So I had struggled with some gut issues ever since I had an emergency surgery when I was five on part of my kidney. And after then, that's when I really kind of trace, I, my gut was really never the same after that surgery. And so growing up, there are things that you look back on and you're like, okay, that's not normal or right, but I didn't know it. And so by the time I got into my early twenties, my digestion was just in a really, really bad place, right? I had, um, arthritic symptoms. Symptoms so bad that I, I remember just standing in my kitchen, like I can't even move. I felt like my fingers were going to break off. And I was five months postpartum with my first son, you know, and I started falling in love with food and how food made me feel. Um, but unfortunately I, you know, I didn't feel right after postpartum that birth was a traumatic birth. And I didn't feel right. And I kept going to the doctor saying, I'm not feeling right. And they were doing, you know, x-rays, ultrasounds, blood work. And they were like, well, unfortunately we need you to get sicker to understand what's going on. And I didn't want to get sicker. I wanted to get better. And unfortunately I ended up having an emergency 
um, appendectomy, which had to happen because the appendix had actually turned gangrenous. So bowel had entered the appendix and had, it just became a septic situation, right? So after that, I went um, in the post-op, the surgeon said to me, Hey, you're going to have to have another procedure in like three to six months. And if you can imagine early twenties, just had a baby, had emergency surgery where I had to say goodbye to my husband and son, you know, just praying to wake up and then you know, I have to do it again in three to six months. And so I just thought, no, this is not going to be the trajectory of my life. And so I searched high and low for what could heal the body from the inside out and found that bone broth actually spanned cultures and centuries, but it was missing from the modern diet. And I love to use the analogy of printer paper. Bone broth has all the things, protein, amino acids, collagen, gelatin that your body needs to repair and to seal the gut lining. Even our lungs are have a collagen coating on them. And so every part of the body, hair, teeth, skin, nails benefits from bone broth and the things that make it up. And so it was a life-changing experience for me. I went on a five-week bone broth diet and I felt better than I felt my entire life. I've never needed that second surgery, which just, I love to share that to show the power of healing food and, and choosing what you put in your body and found when I was telling people to try bone broth specifically that they said, well, it takes a lot of time to make it. and It doesn't even taste good. And as a foodie person, my bone broth did taste good, right? I was flavoring it and putting things in it to get as much nutrients as I could. And so I thought, wow, I I really feel like I have a key to unlock something here. And I want to give that to other people. And so um, in 2015, I took my coffee canisters of bone broth that I had made in the commercial kitchen down to the farmer's market. And from that day on have really been sharing bone broth with anyone who will listen. And so that's the, that's the really beginning part of not only um, the bone broth journey, but it was, you know, my motherhood journey. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so amazing that, you know, it was just something so like true to yourself and genuine that you were finding benefits from this and you simply just wanted it like to share it with everybody that you could. Like, I mean, I've heard you on like different podcasts and things and stuff like that. You were just like giving out shots of little broth and really just like anybody (laughs) that would take it. Uh, And I think like, it's just, it's so amazing to see like that be a progression of, um, what you're doing, because it genuinely is like benefiting people. And, you know, that thought process of like, well, it's helped me so much. Like I need to share this with other Mm -hmm. people. I think it's something that like more of us really need to be doing. Like, even if it's just something small, like when you find like a small win for yourself or, you know, like you are having, some challenge in motherhood and you are overcoming it to be willing to, you know, share that and just, you know, get that out there. Not everybody is going to have like the same story or like be able to benefit in the same way, but being able to see like that, you know, there is other options out there and all of the options that are available to us and that we're like, encouraged to share those things and see Mm -hmm. that, you know, we don't have to be feeling, we don't have to get sicker and, you know, we don't have to get to a point of, um, you know, like struggling or just like being in a, in a dark place and, and to be able to see 
you know, people successfully finding ways to heal themselves, I think, I think is, you know, encouraging in itself. Yes. Food is the first line of defense. And I know we're going to spend time today talking about mental wellness and there is such a strong gut brain connection and, and really for things to work right up here, they have to be working right here. And to have a strong gut that is able to deal with just all the toxins we're encountering in not only our food, but in our environment and to be able to, our bodies are amazing. They're amazing at getting toxins out. They can get overwhelmed. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, it's not that our bodies are weak or that we're incapable, but that we also do need to be in the mindset of, okay, how can I help my body? How can I relieve stress and help it to do what it was you know, created to do? Yeah. And on, yeah, I definitely want to talk about, you know, mental wellness and, and really dive into that and kind of share your personal experience with, um, you know, your motherhood journey and, and some things that were happening in your postpartum journey specifically and where you've kind of grown and learned from that and what you could share, you know, for maybe a mom that's in the newly postpartum period right now, kind of feeling, a similar situation. To listen to your body and to find someone who will listen to you. It can be exhausting when you are um, experiencing things that you're not sure if they're normal and there can be shame associated with that. And I would love to free you from that. Everybody is different and everybody has different needs and that is okay. There's nothing wrong with you. And listen to your body and then find someone who will listen to you. There are great doctors out there, but there are also doctors who don't listen. Um, it can be exhausting to try to find a new doctor, especially in a new season, but having a health partner, that's an advocate and a partner with you is very important. I had to find a different doctor, you know, after I had this extremely <laughs> discouraging experience where I was trying to go for help to the place where I thought they could help me. And their answer was, you know, you needed to get sicker. Sicker for me was emergency surgery. That was scary and dangerous. That wasn't right. So I needed to find a new partner. And um, for me, I've found, you know, a lot of help in functional medicine. There's a lot of functional nurse practitioners now, a lot of functional MDs. I, I've loved to see this more holistic view at treating the body growing. And um, I do recommend that as a place to start if you're just feeling like, you know, so first it's listening to the body. Second, it's freeing yourself from any shame. Honor your body and what it's going through and what it's communicating to you. And then find thirdly, find that partner that will be an advocate for you. They're out there. And now with telehealth and being able to see so many people, you know, in the digital world, it's, it's actually easier to get the kind of care. And um, I love that. Yeah. And I love how you're saying, you know, like find a partner, like it doesn't necessarily mean like your partner, like your, you know, husband or mm -hmm. anything, but like really find like somebody who's like going to be there along yep. on your journey and advocate for you and, and just help you in that way. And I think, you know, sometimes like we can kind of feel like, like that overwhelming feeling and just kind of like, Oh, like, am I even helping? Like, am I even like, mm -hmm. you know, doing this right. And like, yep. you know, thoughts of like, you know, like, Oh, like they'd be better without me. Maybe, you know, like, it's just so overwhelming. Like I'm just so stressed. I'm just so, 
yeah, just like struggling and just feeling like you want to like step away and like dislocate from it. I think, you know, trying to remember like this is a season and mm-hmm. like there is help out there. There are people that are, you know, going to have that space for you and hold that space for you. And again, like leaning into nourishing yourself and really that self-care. So what are some things that you have found to really help with self-care and and really like reflecting back on yourself? You know, it's so interesting um, because I do worry about isolation for new mothers. So having a great community um, and that can, again, even happen digitally, um, but it's also sweet when it can be in person too. And it's not always family, like mom, mother-in-law, it's wonderful when that can be, but it's not always that way either. Um, But there's a real need. So I say that's a major caveat to what I'm about to say. There's a real need to opt out from the expectations that the world has of you to recover immediately. There's a real need to opt out of really anyone's expectations (laughs) for you, except what your body is telling you you can do right now. There is a real beauty in slowing down. Specifically now I'm talking about the fourth trimester, but but this is true in pregnancy too. I was pregnant in my 20s and I was pregnant in my 30s. And one of the things that I realized when I was 30 is I was like, I'm a little slower. And like, this is good for me and baby. <laughs> like, I probably shouldn't have been doing all that. You know, I had all these, I didn't want to miss out. I was, I loved having babies, you know, but I, I also wanted to still do all the things that maybe my friends who were not having kids were doing or, you know, and I think just there's a part of that, that, you know, we can kind of treat pregnancy like an illness. And there's part of that, that's good to still participate, but it specifically postpartum, I find women put a lot of pressure on themselves. I think it's natural to want things to go back to normal. You've been through what I would say is a traumatizing experience, even if birth for you was wonderful. It's a big event that has um, pain and change associated with it. And it's a beautiful experience, but it is still a hard experience and you will react differently. You know, for me, um, I was stick thin in pregnancy, but I gained a lot of weight in postpartum and nursing. And that was hard for me. And that was hard for my, you know, in my mental wellness, I thought, well, this is wrong. And, you know, my body's not doing this the right way. It's responding the opposite of what I've been told people should, you know, and And I had initially, I think in the first two kids, especially a lot of shame and like, well, now I just feel like a chubby mom. Like I don't even feel like myself anymore. And why is this happening? And, you know, I think having the perspective to say, oh, Lisa, this is going to be over in a year. And when you wean these babies, (laughs) this weight comes off you're going to miss that season too. And so I think there was a lot of beauty and sweetness early on, you know, in my first two kids that I kind of rushed some things. I had unrealistic expectations for recovery. I can remember after I had my second kiddo walking around, like, I mean, I had my kids naturally and I didn't have any medication. And I can remember just this desire to get up and walk around and like my husband being like, I think you should lay down. Like you just had a baby. And I think you should probably rest, you know, and I, 
And so we're at this finish line. We've just had this baby and we're like, okay, there's release in that. And that part of the journey is over. And there, so whether it's external pressure is what I'm trying to say, or whether it's the pressure we put on ourselves, like I'm not where I want to be. I want to be recovering faster. Or um, sometimes there can be work pressures. Hey, I have to be back at work in six weeks, which I think is like impossible. Um, and that's certainly not what we require of our employees at Fond when they, you know, have have children. Um, but I think there's just a lot to culturally. Um, there are some beautiful things that other cultures do to respect the postpartum period that really facilitate mental wellness. And there's a lot about our culture that, especially caffeine. And I know I'm sorry to go there, ladies, but. Um, just this desire that like, oh, I shouldn't be tired. Well, no, it's actually okay that, that you're tired. And if you're tired in the mornings when you wake up, it probably means you didn't have enough sleep. Yeah, your child's waking you up, you know, <laughs> the nurse in the night and that's okay. And so, you know, constantly caffeinating to get over this feeling that's actually very natural and might be leading you to take things slower or to take a nap, even just kind of stimulating through that while I know we can perceive it as necessary, that takes a toll, right? So then the body starts communicating to us and then we start kind of quieting it, whether that this can happen through, you know, hey, you've got an ache and a pain and you might need a chiropractic adjustment or you might need, you know, to go stretch, go for a walk. I mean, there are these very basic things, right? But if we if we stop listening to the body and we start doing things and kind of ignoring it, then it can kind of get desperate. And, and where my story really takes a hard turn is doing that, right? So I was, I had three children, one on the way, and I was running a business that was growing really, really fast. And I happened to be on the keto diet. There's a lot of factors here. I was so mentally clear. I had so much energy and I was, but I was always in a state of fight or flight. And I, I completely wore my body out. And I started having, um, I also, Lyme disease became active at this time because Lyme is an opportunistic disease that will take an opportunity when the body is down. And so I um, became anorexic in my pregnancy. So if you can imagine, I uh, was really pushing my body to the limits of what it could do. Then I stopped eating um, and was just, again, in this kind of crazy fight or flight scenario all the time. And I started having blackout panic attacks. And, you know, the first couple of times we thought I was having a heart attack and my husband would call the ambulance and they would come. And I mean, it was really, really scary. And so I always tell people, I tell you to listen to your body because mine had to scream for me to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that to happen to you again, the undoing of this and what it looked like to pursue mental wellness was to care for myself. It was to ask myself, are you hungry? Do you need a nap? Do you need to go to the bathroom? <laughs> like how many moms just like, even that basic need of like using the right, they just will hold it till everyone else is okay. And like, has everyone been fed and is no one crying and is everyone, and then, okay, then I'm going to like, you know, it's okay to use the bathroom when you have to use the bathroom. Like, and that, you know, but I, that, that story happens over and over and over. And I just think, you know, or they don't eat 
right? Until everyone else is eaten and then they're eating like a snack bar because, you know, they didn't, I, there's just so many things um, where it is actually very basic to pursue mental wellness and it's about caring for ourselves. And there are these steps on, you know, for me, taking a 30 minute walk every day is non-negotiable. I do that every day. And when I wake up in the morning, I either jump rope for two minutes or I dry brush to get those limp. And those small actions, I, I'm not going to go to the gym for two hours. I can't do that, but I can still take care of myself and show my body that I care about it and invest in that. And those are important things. Um, identity plays a lot into mental wellness and how identity shifts as we um, become a mother, as we become a mother for the second time, as we become a mother. I mean, you know, every single time this role kind of has to shift and there's a lot in that. And I recommend journaling. I recommend getting a therapist, um, having someone that you can talk to that is not your spouse or partner. One of the things that I find is the difference between how traditionally the woman who's delivering the baby and how she experiences this life event and how the husband experiences this life event is very, very, very different. And it can be hard for that other partner to have empathy unless they are an extremely empathetic person. And even then they haven't gone through it. And so it's important to be able to talk because there can be resentment if you share these things and there's no resonance. So it's important to be in a situation where you're heard and it's a safe place to share. And um, you can really share freely and process some things. Sometimes the ways that we feel about things are not actually true and we know they're not true, but we still have these feelings. And we need to have a space where we can talk about them. Um, For some of us, that's journaling. It's actually uncomfortable to talk to a therapist and that even feels just like, I, you know, but for some of us, it is, right? So there are ways to do that, that really, really help there. And then when you have things like, you know, I'm kind of talking about some of the, there are mental wellness things we can do that are like cleanly habits. And then there are things that come in from the outside, like Lyme disease or postpartum depression because of severe hormonal changes. So these are sort of like these outside factors where there needs to be additional help and support. I could tell that place when it felt like I was drowning. It was an all-encompassing, enveloping hopelessness that felt very different from, man, I'm sad today. That's not what we're talking about, you know? And um, I also had some co-infections from Lyme. So there is one of the co-infections that I had was Bartonella, which caused the anorexia during the pregnancy, but also can cause cyclical thoughts, especially if you're prone to a more anxious mind, it can make that very sticky. Now I'll transition to, you know, I read the book called The Mood Cure that was recommended to me by my therapist and went through the entire book and just really was able to find ways to help. For me, it was 5-HTP and GABA. Maybe for someone else, it's, you know, tyrosine and L-theanine. And so, you know, um, this is definitely not intended to say go buy 5-HTP. 
but I was able to get to at least a place where I was like, okay. And then I talked with my midwife again, having that healthcare partner, very important. Hey, I'm having these feelings that are more than normal and being brave to have those feelings. And they, um, your medical professionals, especially in pregnancy have been trained to listen for certain things. And I was having some postpartum symptoms in my third trimester. And so they knew, okay, you know, if this is happening now, we want to get ahead of this. So when there's significant hormonal changes after delivery, that there's not this bottoming out of dopamine and the things that make you happy and calm you down. Um, serotonin. And so I wouldn't, you know, I went on a pharmaceutical for that period of time and was able to be on that, you know, for six months and was very grateful for a beautiful postpartum season that did not feel like a bottoming out, right? I had felt other postpartum seasons that felt really hard. So it was important to ask for the extra help. And I did eventually have a adverse reaction to that medication, but I was far enough away from that season where, you know, I could do the things like 5-HTP and GABA again, and those were great. And, you know, to this day, as I was sharing before we hopped on, I still use them at certain parts in my menstrual cycle, right? Because hormones can drop and shift. And so um, that is a lengthy answer to your question, but I wanted to, to really hit, Hey, here's kind of the the, the things that I would say are just mental health, cleanliness, taking care of me, developing good habits. And then there really are situations where outside help is not only a good idea, it is a should idea. It is something that you should talk to your healthcare provider about. You should have no shame about hormones or crazy things. And it is important to have support and help, especially when there are outside factors um, like a Lyme disease or a PPD or things like that. Yeah. I think, you know, there's, there's so much to unpack with everything that you just said, but I think really just taking that opportunity to speak to people and, you know, even if it is like just your partner in your family, that's, you know, that resentment is real. And I think like speaking to it and explaining how you're feeling in those moments can go a long way because a lot of the times they don't know that you're feeling that way. Like, you know, we can't read each other's minds. We can't even friends, you know, like we can't understand what a friend is going through unless they open up and they share it with us and they talk to us. And that goes for you, you know, you as a listener, like you have to be vocal with how you're feeling because sitting alone with those thoughts is not helpful. Like you're not going to be able to, it's, it can get you results that you want, but it's going to be, I think, a longer process if we're not using our community and the resources around us to help really stretch out those thoughts and get it to the people that need to hear it. And, you know, how you were stating too, like your non-negotiables and things like that, like that's super important. Something like I've learned and really just like Mm. found that if I'm not doing those things that I say like, Hey, I need to do this. If like, I want to be me and like really feel Mm. like, like, you know, on top of, of my mental side and state. Um, and I see like when I'm not doing those things, 
it just starts to, you know, get very overwhelming and, and everything going on. So really like making that list and that can change that list, you know, can Mm -hmm. definitely change. Like maybe it's like, you know, you want to walk every day for a duration of time. And then one day it just hits you and you're like, I don't want to walk anymore. Like I want to do this and you try something new. And I think that's important too. And even Mm -hmm. just um, like the bathroom uh, thing that you said, I I literally, it was the other day we had (laughs) our, our son is like now like really like up and moving and getting around, but he still like can fall off the couch kind of stage. Yes. And so we remove some of the cushions so he can jump up there and, and crawl and everything. But I was like, oh my goodness, like I have to go to the bathroom, but that means I have to like put the cushions all back, like then go into the bathroom and then they're going to be like, where are the cushions? I want to get up there. Cause I also have a, a t- like a three-year-old. So really just kind of like navigating yeah. all of that and like having to be like, okay, in order for you to go to the bathroom, it's not just like a simple, like, Hey, like, let me run and do like whatever I want. Like, however I want, yeah. like you are navigating and working around different circumstances, but that doesn't mean that we need to neglect those feelings. Right. And same with the eating, you know, it's like I sit down and I tell my daughter, like, she'll be like, oh, but I want like this special cup or I want this from the fridge or I want this extra snack and things like that. And I'm like, okay, mommy's going to take a few bites of her food first. I'm going mm. to eat and then I will get what you need. And she's learned that like, okay, like mommy is going to eat right yeah. now. She respects that. And I think if we continuously like play into this, like, oh, they need this yes. right now. Yep. Like they aren't again, back to communication. Like we even need to communicate with our kids that like mommy needs a minute or, you mm-hmm. know, like mommy needs to eat her food too. And like relaying that information to them will show that, you know, their wants and needs can be met too. too. And yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just so much to like navigate. And I feel like it can be like super overwhelming at times, especially, you know, like going into motherhood for the first time. And, you know, that's like the first time for every kid, like, you know, like you have five, I can't imagine like, you know, working around that, but like, we do want more kids, you know, like I've talked to my husband, like into having like potentially like maybe four, that's where we're kind of like decided on, but we just have two right now. And, um, I've always wanted a lot of kids and to be able to, you know, navigate around that, but you don't know what it's going to be like until you're, till you're there. And I think it's like one of those things, like we don't feel complete right now. So we feel like, you know, like maybe we should try for more, but like, I'm sure there will be like a point where it's like, okay, like that feeling of like, maybe this is our last or like, what does this look like or what that dynamic is. And I think just understanding your limits and like, uh, listening to yourself is, is huge when it comes to all of that. Yeah. We, so Asher is our fifth. And he is our last kiddo. And we, um, it was a beautiful season. We knew that. So we actually didn't think we'd be able to have any more kids after Lyme disease. And after two years of remission, I had a dream. I was holding a baby and I thought I better take a pregnancy test. And sure enough, you know, and it was very fun to have him, but we also knew, okay, you know, this is it. And so it was sweet to be able to, uh, his labor was so different than all the others. And it was so slow and steady. And it was really a turning over of me to just my body of like, 
I know you've done this. This is, you know, <laughs> you've got this and I can trust you. And it was a very beautiful experience and, um, and, you know, weaning him. Right. I think because we knew that and part of the way we decided we were done was, Hey, this is what my body, this feels like this is it. You know, this feels like this is what my body can do and respecting that. And, um, you know, my husband's agreement and honoring of that too. And, um, he comes from quite a large family and I came from a family of four. So five feels like meeting in the middle in a lot of ways. And we feel complete. And I tell people, you know, we finally got the whole basketball team, but I think even in those decisions, you know, we, we always said we wanted to have six, but it turned out that five was what was right, you know? And so releasing ourselves from, from that pressure of like of silly, even silly ones of like, like, well, we said we were going to do this, but um, yeah. So you're right. Listening to yourself and your body in every stage of that. And one of the things I found that was the most interesting, the most unexpected was how much my motherhood grew and changed as we had more kids. And so you know, with the first one, obviously like, steepest learning curve in the world. <laughs> There's nothing like it. And so you get into it, but so beautiful and sweet. And by number three, I was like, okay, I have three young kids and I don't get to spend all of my time with one of them. So how do I invest in each kid and how do I still have time for myself, but also let them know that they're loved and cared for and that we're glad they're part of our family. And so it's definitely been, um, and as we've had even more, it's cool to see the older kids invest in the younger kids and kind of smooth out some of those places where you're like, oh, we did that with so-and-so, but we didn't do it with this one, but oh, look, our oldest son is holding him and reading a book to him. Um, even when mommy has to do the dishes or something. So there's a, there's a sweet, it's, it's interesting how it shifts with each one. Yeah. I love that. And so, you know, with your business and everything, I feel like it was kind of like a, a beautiful accident that really has like evolved mm -hmm. to what it is. So kind of like, give us, I, I guess, like a little timeline of like, you know, when you were starting things out and then mm -hmm. like when things, you know, developed into more so what it is and what that was like feeling like for you. And then where, where do you see things going now yeah. and what things can we, you know, look out for <laughs> coming up? So fond has always part of my story is also the quality of the food I was eating and being unsatisfied with all, even the organic options that I found on shelf. I had this vision, Sarah, of like, you know how people will go into a bakery and like get a piece of cake to celebrate something, but I want people to be able to go and get a jar of fond when they're having a miscarriage or when their kid is sick or when their mom needs something like those are important needs too. And I really, from the beginning wanted fond to be this, um, just this balm, just this, this thing that made hard things a little bit easier or delicious meals, a little bit tastier or a special event, a little more special. And, um, and so we started out using regenerative farming, even back in the day when we sourced from local farms and 
you know, I'm proud that we're the only verified regenerative bone broth on the market. And the reason that's important to me is because of those five kids, right? The UN is estimating we have like 50 harvests left. The U.S. specifically loses topsoil 5.86 tons per acre per year. And so our, it's important to me, <laughs> legacy and thinking about leaving our world better than we found it. But even what's, what's this world going to be like for my kids when they grow up and what's the food system going to be like for them? And so really taking a holistic view. So Fond is, is a bone broth. Our, we say our mission is to heal people in pastures, right? We want people to have this nourishing product, but we also want it to be contributing to our world in a way that contributes to its flourishing and doesn't plunder, right? When you think about, you know, we want Fawn to grow into a large company that's a household name. We want to release other products that fit into your pantry. My sweet spot, as you can imagine, as a mom of five boys is like super nutrient dense convenience food like sardines, you know, soups, I mean, a lot of protein, um, but even cheese sticks, right? And so Fawn's Future, the the product line that we have that we're releasing kind of takes us from the bone broth or the mug to the meal. And mm -hmm. I'm excited for those products to release and they don't use as much energy because they don't have to be stored in your refrigerator or freezer. And um, they're very high quality, but they're also convenient, right? Like pop it open, add it to a stew. Um, so that's where I like to, to live is at the intersection of good tasting and good for you and convenience and quality. So um, I'm excited about the future and, you know, starting out at the farmer's market. I mean, we worked five farmer's markets in three different cities for probably five years and only stopped during COVID and some farmers markets went to a cool like curbside model and it just wasn't right for our company to go back, you know, post post COVID and when things were opening up again, but we're proud to be, you know, an HEB and Sprouts nationwide and on Amazon. And I think for us, you know, there's, we know there's a segment of people and we want this to grow, but not everyone is going to drink bone broth. They're just not. So if we can make it easier to get nutrient dense food in the whole meal for the whole family, that's where the trajectory of the company is really excited about going is, you know, we've started with bone broth as foundational food, but we're really excited about the products that we're going to launch. They're going to make life even easier, you know, for people on the go. So I love that. And I think it's so needed because that's, you know, like as someone who really wants, you know, good nutrient dense meals for her family and, you know, bringing that to life in in an easy and convenient way, like, you know, working, having kids, like, like yes. everything that comes at you to be able to know that there is a product that is like taking that you know, work out of the picture and allowing you to have it conveniently in your home, I think is just amazing and something that um, I'm excited for you. For. Yeah. <laughs> like that is, it's, it's really, truly like where I feel like we do need to go and um, what needs to be occurring. And I think, you know, I want you to explain too, like maybe some of the broths right now that are really good for see yeah. and postpartum, because I know that like, that is something like you really cultivate in the creation of it as well. Yeah. So I drank this last pregnancy. I drank 52 jars postpartum. 
I, and I also buy my own product. So if you're like, yeah, because she gets it for free, I don't. And it was so beautiful, Sarah, because they were bone broth based soups, or I would just warm up a jar with some coconut milk. And it was so satisfying. It was a really beautiful last postpartum season. Of course, the one that I just actually rested for, right? But um, so it was food and actually resting. But the, my favorite flavors for postpartum are the turmeric, cracked pepper, and thyme. Just helps to deal with that inflammation. And as your body is recovering from this Herculean, amazing feat that it has just performed, um, it it needs that TLC, right? And the protein to recover as well. Bone broth is a good source of protein. Um, sometimes I even put an extra scoop of collagen in it maybe from a different species. So I've got chicken bone broth with some bovine collagen or bovine, you know, beef bone broth with some marine collagen, just so I'm varying the amino acid profile and often drink a bone broth latte to start the day. Um, the other flavor I love it for specifically for pregnancy postpartum it's called mothers. And so it's apple cider vinegar, bay leaf, and fennel. There can be some, I mean, we know the digestion kind of slows down during pregnancy. Fennel is great for digestion, apple cider vinegar, also good for that, but then there's no alliums, right? So there's no, if you're having trouble with onions or garlic, you don't have to worry about it with this one. Um, and same with the liquid light. And then the other one I do love is spring clean. So it's lemon, garlic, radish, and onion. And there are just a lot of things that happen in pregnancy. Um, you could be prone to yeast infections, could be prone to UTIs, could be prone to gestational diabetes. Having a protein-rich snack that is also has ingredients that are known to be antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal, um, it's just, it's a great way to help your digestion and your body and support it when it's dealing with these things. I love it. Yeah. It's something like I have learned and really like taken the time to uh, find this information, but I think, you know, making mothers aware of it and, and uh, encouraging them to like, look at the ingredients that are going into their products that they're consuming. Um, I think it is something like we all can just take a little bit of time to do, but once we find, you know, like a brand like yours, that is really, you know, doing that again, like that work for us, it's really, really reassuring to know like that you can trust that this is going to be nourishing for you and your family. Yeah. So so thank you so much for <laughs> yes, my that you're doing and, you know, sharing your story and sharing your brand and really just, you know, diving in a little bit deeper than, than what we might see. <laughs> yes. No, thank you for having me and for listening. And, you know, if there are any other questions that come up after this, I'm happy to be a resource for anyone. I have I've done it five times, but I've also made a lot of mistakes that I'd love for y'all to not make. So always happy to be a resource. That's amazing. So where can we reach you? Where can we get in contact with you? How can we buy Fond? And yes. So the best way to buy Fond is online. We actually have a pregnancy bundle. So it takes the guesswork out and postpartum. So it takes the guesswork out of which flavors should I get? Which ones are going to be okay? Um, so we do have that. And then it's just fondbonebroth.com. And I am often on Fawn's Instagram, just at fondbonebroth. And um, you can catch a glimpse of me either at a farm or hanging out with the kiddos. So that's where to find me. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much. This has been great. 
Yes. Thank you, Sarah. It was a wonderful time. Thank you, mamas, so much for listening. Remember, you are a rock star. I believe in you. Let's doula this. Let's crank it up a notch and let's kick it into high gear together. Hit that subscribe button. Share this episode with a friend. Message me, email me, call me, beat me. You know how to reach me. We're doing this, mamas. I am so excited to catch you here next week. This is your one-stop go-to place for helping you find the resources you need to make the best choices for you and your family during pregnancy, birth, and most importantly, postpartum. See you later, mamas.